This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Hop Nerd Podcast is brought to you by Hop University. At Hop University, we cut the bullshit out of human and organizational performance training. We were born out of necessity. We hear it all the time. Human and organizational performance courses are expensive and hard to find. Safety classes put me to sleep. Help. So we did. We offer on-demand, high-quality online courses in human and organizational performance, safety, and leadership, all led by seasoned safety and hot practitioners. No need to schedule time for that conference. No need to track down the latest guru. And no stuffy classroom required. Join us today at hopuniversity.org. That's H-O-P university.org. Hello! Howdy, hi everybody. It is Sam Goodman, the Hot Nerd. What do you think about that radio voice? That's pretty cool, huh? Bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. Before we get too much farther into this thing, do me a favor, head over to the website, check it out, www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on all things social media at the Hop Nerd, except for Twitter, because it is super duper special. It is the Hop Nerd One. You can slide into the DMs. You can send me a text or leave me a voicemail with a handy dandy phone number down below, or you can send me an email, sam at the hopnerd.com or the hopnerd at gmail.com. Let's get this conversation started. You you know that through this conversation is how I believe that we make the world a better place to work. And speaking of which, I wrote a book. So most of you that follow along with me, you've probably seen me uh, kind of sharing this a little bit and plugging uh, to go pre-order it. So I'm going to tell you now, you can go pre-order it if you go to safety sucks. Dot net. Ooh, polarizing title, right? Go to safetysucks.net and you can pre-order this book. And that's exactly what it is. It's called Safety Sucks, the bullshit in the safety profession that I do not tell you about. So I look forward to sharing it with you. I look forward to your pre-ordering. Go check that stuff out. So I'm going to shut up now about all that stuff and let you know that we have part two of my conversation with hashtag really cool guy. Jason Lucas. And that's all I need to tell you. It's Jason Lucas. So I'm going to shut up and we're going to listen in. I hate to admit that, but I'm an excellent case manager. I'm a phenomenal case manager. Like yeah. I, I can avoid most everything. Right, right, right. Uh, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a shame because there's a, a, a gray area in safety that you're forced to enter into. Mm-hmm. It is not a positive gray area of safety. No, in in most times, right? I mean, that's that's the that's the problem is you end up you're you're right on that ethical line a lot of times. Oh yeah, right. You're right there. Yeah. And I I think the 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 I think you hit the nail on the head there is that the real problem is is that the perception that it creates around it. Yeah. Right. Instead, and you know it's 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 the perception. It's okay. Well, the 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 safety dudes here at the doctor with me. Right. Uh-huh. And he's asking questions about can we use stereo strips instead of sutures or can we sure can you sure we can't do that at over the counter, you know, ibuprofen or something. Like, I don't know. I don't necessarily think he's he's lobbying for things in my best, best interest. Well, yeah. And that that that's and and even it, it may be just as simple as, hey, we're gonna go see my doctor, our doctor first. Right. And, and it's like, well, I mean, I want to go see my doctor. 
well, your doctor's not an occupational medical doctor. Right. You know, so there's so many, you know, I went, I went 16 years in this, in this business without an OSHA recordable on any site that I managed. 16. Yeah. Okay. Because of case management skills, Mm -hmm. things like that. My how many how many how many close close cases did you have? That's the- <laughs> I, it was a bunch. <laughs> you <laughs> more, have to more, than that. I, more, more than I could probably count. But uh, but sixteen years is a long time. Mm-hmm. And my first OSHA recordable after that stretch was because somebody got sawdust in their eye. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you how it happened. He was working inside of a cooling tower using a using a a, a, a handsaw. Uh, the wind in a in a cooling tower is, is quite heavy. Got in his eye. He came and reported it. We flushed it. Came the next day. Said, "Hey, man, this is still hurting." So we went and took it to the to the Ahmed. They put the little uh, little drops in there to to check it under the UV light. Yeah. See any damage? Okay. Came back the next day. Hey, man, my eye is still bothering me. So we go back to that same doctor. The doctor's like, "Hey, look. Obviously, we're not seeing what's in here." So we're going to send him over to the optometrist. They've got better stuff for this. So we'll, we'll refer him over there. All right, cool problem. So I go to the optometrist with the, with the employee, like I'm supposed to, like a good case manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, that optometrist was like, Hey, um, there's some, there's some non injury related stuff. I need to talk to this employee about real quick. Something that I'm seeing when I'm looking in here. And so I need you to step out of the office. I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. You know, I mean, Hey, hit the laws. I'm, I'm out of it. If it's not work related, I don't want to have any information about it. He'll tell me if he wants me to know. So get out of that, go step out of the office. I go and call the home office, let them know what's going on. Come back out. The guy has prescribed him antibiotics for preventative care. Mm-hmm. Already signed it. He's already handed it to him. And I think it was January 12th, which means that I've got to now go back to this, this refinery and let them know that, Hey, I've ruined your, your OSHA rate on the 12th of January. Right. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, I had the, uh, I had that conversation with, uh, with uh, a leader not too long ago where they had had a, uh, they basically had a, an OSHA recordable that was very, very low. Right. I mean, it, it's one of those things where it was an OSHA recordable because similar, right. Issued, issued some medication and it's really flipping the script on that conversation because the, the initial response is, Oh my God, how do we have an OSHA recordable? How do we do this? And it's, it's without giving too many details about this case, I, it was one of those ones where you, where you could, you could seriously write down act of God period. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. It's kind of, kind of one of those situations. I'm like, listen, you can either choose to overreact with this and do all the kind of normal traditional <coughs> safety stuff. We can do stand downs and you can make everybody see that this is just ridiculous and they're, it's going to be a dog and pony show and they're going to just chuckle at it and think it's stupid. Yeah. Or you can chalk this up to, hey, listen, the employee trusted us enough to tell us that they had a problem. Yeah. They came to us and we – we linked them up with, with, with a good doctor, the best doctor we could find, and we got them adequate treatment for their, 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 their very minor injury that they had, but we got them treatment, and they're okay now. That's a good story to me. Yeah. It, that's a Talk about trying to communicate things differently, and that's a lot of the conversation I end up having is how do you communicate things differently? Instead of saying, oh, my God, this was an OSHA recordable, it's we did this, we took care of our employee, and it was an OSHA recordable, but that's okay. It's just an OSHA recordable. The employee's fine. That's the main thing. 
Well, and and I, I love the idea of flipping the script from the standpoint of, yes, we had an incident. Let's go find out organizationally how we had this incident right? and, and find out where we're failing as first. What, what do we not have in place to protect our people? What, you know, and, and instead of focusing on, on, we had this incident and this employee made this really bad error. Let's focus on, on what we did on our, what, what, our, what was our part in this? Are you, are you familiar with uh, HVACs? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, and that that's that's uh, what one of the companies I worked for used. I love, I loved it because it was you. You went from you you started with what the employee's error or violation was. So it was immediately that was what blew my mind. I mean, I when I when I first got that training because I was like, wait a minute, you mean we can just look at this as they just made an error? Like it wasn't a violation of one of our rules. They just there was just an error. I, mean, I was, I just, I, could, I didn't even know how to look at it. It's so, it's so interesting. I, I had on, uh, uh, and it, it'll be out before this one, so I can talk about it a little bit. Um, I had on a gentleman by the name of Mark Alston, which is a phenomenal person. He he has this organization called Investigations Differently, uh, oh. and, and we we were spending a lot of time talking about the, a very similar thing, talking about how kind of our traditional approaches to kind of root cause analysis uh, is so linear, right? And it kind of yeah. starts with with. It kind of always leads us down that path of predetermined something because you're literally doing stuff from drop down boxes and you don't get into that context that we were talking about. Yeah. So much of that is understanding that, right? That 99, if not all, right? Human error usually triggered something, right? There's usually going to be error. There's usually going to be a violation. There's going to be a rule is bent or, you know, broken or whatever we want to call it. There's usually some error, but that's not the real cause of stuff happening. Yeah. Right. It's just it's just a triggering event. Um, and I share that with organizations a lot of times and they go, well, if we can just finally prevent the errors, then you'll never have the triggering event and then nothing ever happens. I'm like, but yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing that you're missing is that this work was done thousands of times before and those errors were present. Yeah, there's errors. There's, there's rule breaks. There's rule bends. There's all this other stuff. There's there's normalized drift and deviation. All that stuff is present in all of your successful work. And on this day and this particular situation, the stars just finally aligned. Mm-hmm. So you can't focus on that error piece. If the employee looked at it and said, you know, okay, here's here's the work instructions. A, you know, do this. B, do this. C, cut off hand. If they could see that, they totally would have chose to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to do something different. different. To them, you know, the, those, those, uh, it's really those kind of calculations and, and, and their, their uh, way of kind of feeling their way through work, their judgment calls, all that stuff. It, it's all just judgment calls and decisions and all that stuff in, in the moment. It's only looked at to be flawed or bad with hindsight, right? After the fact, we can oh, go, yeah. oh, yeah, of course that was. I would have, I could have, you know. So I really, I really appreciate your, your fact of bringing that up of talking about, you know, of course, when we look at this stuff, we're always going to find where somebody messed up. We're always sure. going to find where somebody messed up. But if we stop there, what do we actually learn? Well, that, and that, you know, I remember, I remember being just like, just frustrated as all get out because OSHA had, had s- sent out the idea that in this, we talked a little bit about the VPP earlier and VPP really clear in, in the OSHA from the standpoint of that, any incident that you've had, we don't want to find out how the employee failed. Right. We want 
know how you as the company failed. So focus on the employee. Don't blame the employee. And I got, I got a, a, this, this, I got kind of a burr in my saddle with this idea of the employee couldn't possibly be at fault because OSHA says it's the company's fault and you can't blame the employee. And I, for the longest time, I was really frustrated by that because I was like, you know what, this, this wouldn't have happened if this person didn't make this decision because it wasn't because I was utilizing the normal root cause analysis, which the root cause analysis analysis most of the time ended up with employee made a decision. And this is what happened because I wasn't willing to dig any deeper to look at it. You you, you end up like I'll, I'll pick on taproot in particular, right? Yeah. yeah, (laughs) You you, you run taproot to completion and 90% of the time you end up with SPAC. Right. Yeah. There's 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 a missing procedure, an incomplete procedure. The procedure wasn't followed, something like that. You know. Absolutely. You, you can you can say missing procedure, all this kind of stuff, and and that still gets down into some organizational responsibility. I get that. Sure. But it really there's there's no control there. We're not talking margin. We're not talking betterment. We're saying okay, we're going to write another rule, or we're going to add yes. to or, or fix this rule. But you know and why? That, that because really that doesn't do a lot. It's because it's easy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll tell you my my uh, corrective actions. For so many incidents in in my past, were write another policy. Well, how many times have you found employee? yourself in that where you're where you know? And I've I've been there front left frustrated um, early on uh, in my safety career where you're going. We're gonna do a stand down. Oh yeah. Let me, pull, let me pull together a stand down deck. We're gonna retrain the employees. Everybody, make sure you sign the list that you were in the stand down so I can attach Absolutely. it to the corrective action and close Absolutely. it out. Absolutely. Uh, and then we're going to we're going to coach and counsel the employee. Oh yeah, sure yeah, yeah. This yeah. error doesn't occur, and then which so, is really just a conversation of you going, "What did you do wrong?" Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I really, <laughs> I really, I really like you know. I think that's where I really try to drive folks back to kind of the hot principles. Um, yeah, and I really like the the notion of this, or putting it like this, is that that blame and learning move in opposite directions of each other. Right. Yeah. So a, a lot of times we say that you can either blame uh, or, or you can discipline or you can learn or you can't do both. But it was really in the fact that they just move in opposite directions. You're just taking yeah. you're choosing two different paths. Right. So if you really want to learn in and dig into stuff and really figure out how you can create betterment, it's really not about a root cause. And, and some some more traditional based folks struggle with this um, <laughs> because 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 we. I don't necessarily think that we're preventing reoccurrence because I don't I don't think we have many of those big scary monsters left in most most organizations, right? We don't we've done so great at prevention, right? Yeah. We do safe and stable work ninety nine percent of the time. There's not yeah. many events that are similar, right? Yeah. It might have the same outcome or it might be somewhat similar, but the stars rarely ever align in the same fashion for that exact event to repeat itself. Yeah. So, so much of that isn't – and that's because I bring that up because a lot of the conversation folks have, well, if you don't get to the root cause, how do you know that we're not going to prevent reoccurrence? Or, and if we don't prevent reoccurrence, it's going to, we're doomed to repeat this over. And, uh, sure. The, the likelihood of you repeating this is about a million to one. <laughs> and, I, and I think, I think the, the, the pro- part of the problem with that is we've limited ourselves so much on how we label things. Yeah, exactly. You know, so if, if, you're, if you're limiting your labeling to – MVA fault or MVA non-fault? Yep. Well, guess what? Every MVA you fall, you have is going to fall into one of those two categories. Right. So it looks like you are having a continuation 
of the same pattern of events over and over and over again. But that one MVA that was at fault may be a backing MVA. The next one may have been we rear-ended somebody. Next one may have been we blew a tire. Uh, there's so many different – and when we don't dig down and start labeling things a little more thoroughly and giving them more um, information to the incident versus right. just, okay, well, it was an MVA. Okay, well, it was a back strain. Well, so so much of that seems to come from our need to really measure, right? Oh, yeah, we have to We have this need to measure. But if we don't measure uh, avoidable versus non-avoidable motor vehicle accidents, right, how do we know? If we don't don't just measure things as OSHA recordable versus lost time versus restricted, how do we know? How do we know that we're making a difference? Look, man, if you're not measuring, how do you know you're hitting zero? Right, exactly right. Well, it's it's back, it's back to that thing where it's like you know, I, I, a lot of what I do is, uh, you know, I, I really like I really like facilitating these kind of um, these kind of focus groups with employees just to listen, right? And you know, go out and really pulse frontline employees. I, I really love that kind of model of going out and talking to folks and understanding understanding just culture in an organization, right? Yeah, uh, and so much of of what you hear from them is around that is like, listen, listen, dude. You ask me to give you zero, I'll give you zero. Yeah, it's not yeah, going to be recording. Real. I'll give you zero though, and we're going to get those stakes. That's what's well, going to yeah. happen. We're going to have and, this and thing done. I'm going to get that gold belt buckle. It's going to be awesome. I'll give pizza you pizza party, right? In that in that the YouTube video from Saturday Night Live, the right. pizza party. Yeah, I mean, and and that's I, you know. I think every, <laughs> I think every safety pro has like their arch enemy, you know, has what, what that one thing that they just can't like that, that other people believe with every part of them and they just can't, they can't deal with it. And yeah. this, this goal zero mindset is probably mine. Uh, yeah. I've got a long list, you know, me well enough. No, no, I know. I know. It's it just, <laughs> I yeah, think you do too. You're, you're just picking you're, out a good one. <laughs> well, that just happens to be the one that I, that I, I, I aim at most. And it's yeah. just because it's so prevalent and yeah. it's, it's, it's a shame. I, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a secret. I'll give you some insight that you may not know about safety justice league. If you look at our episodes and the names of our episodes, you will see that every time there is an O, it is a zero. Oh, nice. I'm going to have to go back and look now. It's not an O. Uh-huh. And, and the reason is, is because we are all under that same mindset of this target zero isn't what matters. Mm-hmm. Our enemy is zero. So, yeah. it, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it, once you go back and look at the episode list, you'll be like, aha, uh-huh, okay, all right. Well, it, it gets into this whole thing of this is that, you know, we, to, to really believe, and you really think, and I don't know any other way to, to categorize it as other than stupid, right? I, 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 hate, <laughs> I, hate, I hate to throw labels out there on something when we're just talking about how dumb labels are, but it's, yeah. it's, it's not very smart, right? To look at the kind of work that organizations do, right? You, 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 you know, we were talking a little bit kind of before we, and we just kind of jumped in here, but that's, that's how we do these things over here. Yeah. So I'll just fade this in FYI for everybody that's listening. We've been, we've just kind of jumped right in, but you know, we were talking a little bit about the organizations that we work for, for a day job kind of before we started. And you think about these organizations that you work for, the organizations that I've worked for in the past, every organization I work for is high, heavy, dangerous, kill you kind of work. It's, it's dangerous work. We're, we're not, we're not, we're not, uh, and not putting down sweeping, but we're not just sweeping floors. Like we're, we're doing some serious stuff, right? And to think that this kind of serious work that you're not going to get a bump, 
that you're not going to get a scrape. Just thinking about it from that standpoint, I can't keep my house incident and injury free. I have a five year old, right? And if I if I if I can't keep if I can't keep one little person from getting a bump or a bruise, how in the hell do you think you're going to do it with ten thousand people? Well, that's Doing that kind know, of work. It's ridiculous, right? I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a today example. My wife, my wife and I have been we gutted one of our bathrooms today. Like I'm talking tile. Vanity, toilet, everything. You're staying is, busy in the apocalypse. The, man, the only thing that is standing in there is the shower and bathtub right now. <laughs> and when I was when I was chipping away at the ceramic tile to get it up, I came back in after taking a load of the tile out and putting it in the truck to take to the dump. I, uh, I come back in, my wife's like, your head's bleeding. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my head's bleeding? Well, I was wearing my safety glasses. I was wearing my cut-resistant gloves. I was wearing everything else. But I, when I was hitting it with the sledgehammer, a piece of it came up, and it I cut me. It just chipped me, nicked me on the forehead. And, and you know, it, it just made me think. I put on my gear. I put on my stuff. I did what I was supposed to do, but I had an incident. I had a, had a you know, a, a first aid injury. Right. So it's really easy we could lose our minds real easily over something that that person put on all their gear. Mm-hmm. They, they did everything that they followed every rule that we've told them to follow and something happened. Right. Well, and then you could, I think you could take, that's a great example because I think you take that and run with it a little bit and go, okay, well, the traditional organizations, they would, uh, they would have probably went down a root cause analysis path of something like that. Sure. Right. And especially let's, uh, you know, it, just for whatever reason. And they're going, you know, the employee failed to do an adequate risk assessment because yeah, they, he should have been wearing a face shield. They should have been wearing a face shield, not yeah. only a face shield, but it should have <laughs> been one of those, one of those kind of Buffalo style that goes over a hard hat. Yes, absolutely. Right? Got and it, then not got only that, but then we should have probably had some sticky on the front of it to make sure it caught any debris. So then when it, cause then we don't want to, we don't want yeah, to eye yeah, injuries too. Eye injuries taking um, it And off, then right. kind of going to kind of go down this entire path. And then, and then at some point in the future, there's going to be something where employees doing something maybe similar or not, and they're going to have something happen, and they're going, well, why weren't you wearing your face shield with your heart hand under and all this other stuff? And the employee, yeah. because I can't see what I'm doing my job. It's still yeah. your fault. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To- and I, I, came, I, you know, I came up in this industry. Before I got in safety, I was a hydroblaster. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, half the stuff you hydroblast, you can't see. Right. You got to wear safety glasses. You got to wear a face shield that hooks up onto your hard hat like normal, mm-hmm. and is, is is you're breathing heavy. It's hard work. Yeah. Not easy. And what's fogging up? Your face shield's fogging up. Guess what else is fogging up? Your safety glasses. Right. So it ends up your safety glasses end up down here somewhere underneath your face shield, and you're grabbing the, your wet glove and wiping the inside of the the face shield. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Which is contaminated with whatever you're hydroblasting. So you put that in your in your breathing space, and it, it's just because. Somebody didn't want to spend the extra money for the anti-fog. Well, yeah, and when, even with that, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, when I when I first kind of grew up in industry, um, I, I started in nuclear power generation. I worked in Circwater, so I'm in yeah. Circwater systems and, and nuclear power plants all over the country. And you talk about hot, humid, or sometimes cool and humid. Yeah. It's kind of nice. I, I, I like yeah. being a, I like being down with pipes, man. It's fun. Nobody comes in and mess with you, especially not the safety dude. That's right. Not <laughs> Nobody's coming guy. down in the pipe. Safety guy's not coming down there. That's for sure. But so you're down there and and you're you're doing sandblasting. You're doing all kind. You know, you're basically resurfacing these pipes. You're doing all that stuff, and then you're going up to tube sheets. You're shooting tubes. You're doing all kinds of crazy stuff in these pipes. And it's the same thing. You know, if, if you, some of these tasks that we put people in, I think it's really, it really 
gets back to learning how the work actually happens and pulsing the folks and listening to the folks that actually do the work, uh, yeah. the, the stuff that you were required to use in these situations, you can tell the person that wrote the rules had never done oh, yeah. this job. It had got it. And I think it's, I think it's great. I, I hope it doesn't give away too much um, about where I kind of got my start. So if there's any folks out there listening that are aware of this in this organization, I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll, they'll remain nameless, but let's just say a large, a large power utility uh, kind of in the Southeast had multiple <laughs> nuclear power plants. Um, they had uh, their site had banned the use, banned the use of like steam jennies, right? So oh, yeah. you get a lot of these plants and you're, you have these inlet pipes and they get covered in crap, right? Oh, yeah. Especially the, the plant that I'm thinking about now, it uses salt water. That, that give away a lot too. Mm. Um, but you get all these barnacles and stuff that grow around the pipes. And the old way that you, that they would, they would do this, it's, it's kind of smart is that you would basically seal up the pipes. And you would pour heat to the pipes initially, sure. just just a just a mobile heating unit, and just like your just like your HVAC, right? And you're pouring heat to it, and it cooks all the stuff in the pipes. All the barnacles die because if you're familiar with barnacles, they're uh, impossible to remove if they're alive. Basically, yeah, uh, you kill them. And then the old way was that you'd go in and you'd use the steam jenny, and you would just hit it, and they would just come off, and it was nice, it was easy, Beautiful. right? So it was efficient. Well, somebody had an incident with the steam jenny. So yeah. basically, you know, Steam Jenny's got a lot of pressure, right? It sure. passed it over their foot or their hand and something really bad happened, right? Uh, and we, ne- <laughs> we never, you, we never got the listen, full story. Did you listen to the lockdown episode where, <laughs> no, I, where, I, I, shared, where I shared how I water cut and second degree burned my right foot? I did not. I did not. Let me hear this. Let's hear it. So years ago, I was doing a, uh, which is funny that you mentioned the steam jenny because that's what we were using. And there was an oil spill and we were cleaning it up with the steam jenny. And I hated, hated, hated when you get up to the side of a tower with the, with the, with the shotgun and you get up there and it would bounce back and it would just cover you right. with a mess. So I would always like back up as far as I could. I'm holding the pressure. Wall. Yeah. 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 Trying to get as far back as I could. And it just, it went across my right foot yep. and, uh, behind the metatarsal protection. You, you chose to I, do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I cho- well, I chose to rate that, that uh, shotgun up high enough where that was a possibility. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the sad part is, is this, this is years and years ago, but I went to my coworker and I'm like, look, man, I, I, I hurt my foot. I hurt my foot pretty good. And I said, uh, you know, look, here's the story. You know, I'm thinking about how we're going to explain my injury, you know, and he goes, look, he said, I will tell them anything you want me to tell them, but you're going to fi- you're going to get fired. They're going to fire. He goes, because you shouldn't have been able to do that if you were using it the right way. And I just pay more attention. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> well, you know what? Forget I said anything. And I went home, you know, and, and self-treated mm-hmm. and went back to work. Two days later, and nobody knew anything. You know why I didn't report it? Because I knew I was going to get fired if I reported right. it. Right. And I think that that's, for me, that was a lesson on the other side. Yeah. When I got into safety and I got into management, is how many things are not being reported out of a fear yeah. that, that they're going to get fired? Because that's not, it may not even be a rule, but it's a perception. Yeah. Well, and that's that's super interesting because in in this particular situation, people don't think about the the corrective action seems so easy. And I want to circle back to that too about the, about the fear and the perception stuff. But I think that 
when 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 management creates corrective actions, they don't really think about the byproduct of the corrective actions. A lot yeah. of times the corrective actions result in worse stuff than just not doing anything. And yeah. a lot of leadership teams struggle with the answer that doing nothing is doing something sometimes, right? They believe that yes. it always has to be actions, and that's not true because we end up with just a bunch of bogus kind of BS actions that actually can cause harm and actually cause people to get killed in some situations because we don't think things all the way through. Um, in this situation, I thought it was funny because it was similar. So somebody had a very similar incident to that, and they basically said, that's it. Inside of these pipes, because it's tight, right? Yeah. No one, no one will ever use a steam genie again. You will use boat paddles to manually scrape everything off of these pipes that are a mile. It's a mile oh, long. Jeez. Right. Geez. So it's chip, 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 chip. Right. So, and again, so you, you think about all the other things that can go wrong, right? Oh, the, sure. the strains, the sprains. Just the, the the amount of effort, and then you couple that with the fact that folks that are familiar with it are going, okay, so you're punishing us. You're you're going to make yeah. us. You're going to work. Got, yeah, you're going to yeah, work like us into hurt, the ground so. because someone got hurt, basically. Um, which really comes back to what you're talking about. That all reporting. We we said this. All reporting is voluntary, right? Yeah. You the thing that I share with organizations constantly is this: is that you can sit there and and as a leader, and I'll pick on them. I'm going to pick on them. You can sit there high and mighty as a leader behind your desk, in your chair, in your warm, cozy office, and say, "Well, they have to report things because it's the right thing to do." Whether sure. we decide to fire them or not, that shouldn't be up. That shouldn't matter. That's they have to do it because we we have a rule that says that they have to, and they have to do it because it's the right thing to do. But I hate to tell you, and I, just, I don't hate to tell them. I like to tell them this. I enjoy telling them <laughs> this. When, when it, when it, when it comes down to it, if I'm that employee and you're telling me, well, do the right thing for me as a company or feed your family, I know which one I'm going to pick hands down every single time. And they are right? too. So it, right. Exactly. You're never going to say the right thing is more important than your need for self-preservation. Sure. And, that, like, and that, that, you're never going to overcome not, the need for self-preservation. And I don't think anybody really puts that into, into their mindset when they're thinking of that, because they're, 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 they're thinking in their head, well, they don't know if they're getting fired or not. So if, if they don't know, they should report, they should report their stuff. Right. Right. So it's so often, right? I mean, we can, they, they say that they'll use that example of, well, they don't know. They, they can't know. They shouldn't think about it that way. But usually organizations that you find yourself in uh, that have those kind of troubles, um, they usually have a pretty good track record of being heavy handed in those situations. They're usually a shoot and shame, blame organization, oh, yeah. right? If they're having those kind of problems anyways, that's why I tell people all the time, the first step folks that go down the hop path in particular, they want to kind of start by rolling out learning teams and they kind of want to start by just talking about hot principles. Um, and I tell them that, you know, I share with them all the time that there's a step to me before that, which is really focusing on the organization's underlying assumptions, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm an Edgar Schein guy. If you've ever read anything by Edgar Schein, he gets into organizational assumptions a lot. He's got some great stuff about organizational culture. Uh, he's, he's the king of organizational culture, not some great stuff. He is the king of it. But a lot of his stuff gets into assumptions. And I think that's one of the first assumptions that you really have to chip away at at an organization to do safety differently, whether yeah. you want to call it hop or safety, whatever, whether you're using the hop stuff or anything else. If you just want to go down a different path, the first place you have to target is around that idea that human error is a choice. If you can really change that assumption in your organization and really get people to believe that, right? We've, we, we said it a lot, right? We've said it in the industry a lot that people don't come to work to mess up, but yeah. we haven't really believed it, 
right? We've still, we've yeah. still, as organizations still believe, well, if they would have made a better choice and that's, that's to, to, to get into a mini rant here, but that's, that's where when you talk to uh, leaders and executives and directors and all these folks, they really, that you can really get them spun up is when you start talking about retribution versus restoration and you say, yeah. ultimately, when you were saying that people should have made a better choice, you're basically saying that bad things happen to bad people and good people don't get hurt. That's yeah. what you're saying. That's exactly what you're saying. Right? Yeah, and that's, because when and that's, you say, well, they should have made a better choice, you're saying, well, they if this person would have been a better worker, nothing bad would have happened. And that's just not true. Yeah, and that's and that's a shame too, because you know, people people most of our workers are struggling enough anyway. Yeah. And to to throw that on top of them with the idea of, you know, well, bad people make bad choices or you know, it's sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes it, it comes across as just like, you know what? You're really stupid. Yeah. That's, and that's the stupid people make stupid choices yep. and you made a stupid choice here. Uh, you know, and you're not, you're, you're never going to, most organizations, you're not going to call them stupid to their face, but, but the, or, the organization loves the it choice. because then exactly. Cause then what's, what's the organization say? They use the old thing. Uh, the old adage around stupid is you can't fix stupid. Yeah. So that means we easy. don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll, we'll check the boxes and we'll, we'll uh, make sure that, that our boxes are checked and that we, we did uh due diligence on our corrective action. I mean, I, I've been in organizations that there's just so many incidents that you're, you, you have no time to be preventive. You're just right. being active to every firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so yeah. all you're doing, all you're doing is your corrective action is we'll cover a next safety meeting to prevent occurrence. You know, and, and it's, you know, that's, that's one of your major corrective actions because you yeah. just don't have, have time to, to reorganize or review policy or see where, you know, talk to that employee to see why, and what they, I mean, you just don't, because you're going to the next one. And that's what well, I, th- I think it's so important because, you know, I, I'm the last person that I, I, I pick on traditional safety. I do. I get it. Like, I, I like, I like picking on it because it's fun. It's a little polarizing. It's cool. I, I think we need some of that kind of oh, yeah. prodding, kind of prodding, you know, uh, but I'm the last person to say that, you know, that, that all of that stuff is just terrible and it should have never happened. I look at a lot of this stuff as, is, as that it's, it's building blocks, right? We're continually trying to get better. And for some reason, we've gotten into this kind of last 20 year stretch of safety and we're going, nope, that's it. This is it. This is this as good is as it gets. Safest, it's, well, yeah. it's, it's zero and RCAs and, and 10 golden rules and that's it and observation programs and that's it. We're good. Right. And it's, it's going, okay, listen, eh, maybe we need to grow and the stuff that's not work. We should probably strip away the stuff that does work. We should probably, you should probably help and better that and try to add in new stuff and just try to get better. You know, I think it just comes down to trying to make things better. I, I share that with folks all the time is just making things better. If you go out and you investigate an event and you do a learning team or however your organization does it, and you don't come up with a corrective action, so what? You probably still come up with a lot of other ways to better the organization. Right? Yeah. If you don't come up with a root cause and a corrective action for that root cause, and now you can't prevent reoccurrence, you probably still come up with some – you found some suck somewhere that you can work yeah. on. I think one of our one – one of the biggest things about the, the sameness that is safety for the past 20 years is if this is the, if this is the ultimate way to do it, and this is the only way to do it, then why are we still having incidents? Right. Are well, people still getting hurt? 
I think I think it gets really interesting because if if this is the best way to do it, why do we still kill the same amount of people every single year, year over yeah. year over year over year? And every upticks, year. where it seems to be upticking a little bit, doesn't it? But it seems that we continue. And most organizations that do high hazard work, that that you know, those organizations that do have fatalities that are doing traditional safety, they'll tell you, yep, we 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 still it's, that's the same. Our instant rates have gone down. We don't get anything. And that just seems like a really scary. Yeah. It's that nothing, nothing, nothing killed somebody, nothing, nothing, nothing killed somebody. And it's like, well, if it's really working and I get it, traditional safety might work for some things, but the problem that we have in a lot of industries is, is that it doesn't really help to not kill people. Yeah. (laughs) And that's that. Yeah. And, and I, I, I still, I still have that wonder of how much stuff is still happening that we don't know about. Yeah. How much, you know, how much is still happening out there? You know, I, I was, I was blessed to work with uh, some Navajo Indians on a, uh, on a uh, job site one time. And uh, they came straight from the reservation and came and helped us out and uh, they did their work. And then one day you were just one of the guys that you've been working with for three months just wouldn't be there. Yeah. And you'd be like, where, where's so-and-so? And it'd be like, Oh, well he went back to the reds. Oh, he just left and just, yeah, yeah. Well, you end up finding out that they didn't, they didn't report their injuries because as, as I was informed, they didn't want the white man doctor to treat them because it's a mistrust. And so they would just, we just would never hear about it. Right. So it was just, and, and it made me think like, it's not just, it's not just this group of people. It's workers. It's a. Oh. And there, there's a huge thing, and that's you know I'm, I'm here in Phoenix. I spend a lot of time working in Northern Arizona too, and so we, we're there's a, a significant portion of the Navajo Nation is located here in yeah, Arizona. Absolutely, and that's a piece that when you when you work on a site, uh, they're 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 great people and a proud people, and it's I've, uh, amazing folks. I, I've got some folks that I would consider almost family that I yeah. uh, that I know there, and it's it's one of those things that you really have to be cognizant of other external cultural barriers to to reporting and how, again, that's still back on the organization, right? To, to make that reporting possible. And that's the hard part for organizations to stomach think, but we've got a rule that says they have to, but there's reasons why they don't, whether it's a fear thing, whether it's a cultural thing, there's, there's still things that we have to really think about. And I I I think the interesting part is the only way you find out is by talking to the workers, right? That's the only way you find out. Well, I mean, I know this is mind blowing, but what if you actually told them at the start of the, the, the project, Hey guys, look, I know the likelihood is, is that you're going to, if you have an injury, you're going to go back to the rest. I, I, I know this. If you'll do me a favor though, and just give me a heads up. Yeah. Let me, let me have a, let me get, just give me a witness statement. I am not going to force you into my treatment. Right. I know that blows the minds of organizations because organizations right. are like, what do you mean? You know, he has to go to see an Ahmed doctor. He has to, because it could be a recordable. Mm-hmm. It could, who cares? It's back to flipping that, flipping Ration. that conversation, right? It's back to flipping that conversation that getting, uh, getting the organizations to understand that number one, number one, right out of the gate. And so many of them don't do this because, the first thing that happens when you say, Hey, something happened, they're going, is it recordable? What are we doing to make sure that it's not, or who was it? How bad was it? What do they deserve based off of how bad it was? Did they break the rule? Did they have on their PPE? That's the normal conversation. And yeah. for, that's the normal reaction. And all that's terrible, right? None, none of that's good. 
the first reaction of the organization should be, is the employee okay? What do they need? And how do we get them what they need? Yeah. The whole, the recordability thing. Again, I think it's back to, you know, the fact that OSHA recordables have become the primary driver for, or the primary measure for safety success, even though it's not. It's just, Uh, it's it's such a bad, it's such a bad measurement. Uh, Yeah. You know, because you, 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 I get, they're talking about it. They're they're basing it on, on hours work. They're basing, you know, there's a whole nice frequency rate on how it all works. But, and, I, and I get it. I get it. Yeah. But a small company that had one incident. Yeah. You have a large company that had one incident. Well, it, it completely it still lacks, just had one incident. Right. <laughs> and, and it, 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 it completely lacks the context to it. And that's where I struggle so much with it. Is that, okay, you've got an employee that's, that's bending over to pick up a screwdriver and they throw their back out and they get prescription medication meets all the stuff of work relatedness, all the stuff it ends up most recordable, right? You yeah. have an employee that goes out and gets forty seven sutures in their arm. Right? Yeah. And you have a decent case manager that we got them back to work, no restrictions. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. No, it's, I mean it's you, an OSHA recordable and it's you're looking at the same thing on paper. Yeah. With zero context. Yeah. And well, I, I and really you can, like your point about organizations because large scale, again, I, I work for massive contract organizations sure. where, you know, there's ways, there's ways, right? Okay. We're, we work internationally. We're only counting our recordables in the States, but we're going to use all of our office man hours, even though they support all of our international work. Yeah. To yes. count against our. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Right. So that puts us down to a 0. 0.0000000002. And you deal with what you deal with all these wonderful pre-qualification sites that, that determine whether or not you can work for these large industries. Right. And they determine it based upon just that number. Right. Now, the, and the crazy part is, is you've got, like you're saying, the the broad scope of potential. You have a <clears throat> you have a guy not wearing fall protection, and he falls seven foot, and he breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. All right, well that's that's an OSHA recordable. On paper, that's an OSHA recordable. The frequency rate is the exact same as the guy who put on his glove at a different company, and there right. was a spider inside there. Yep, a spider stung him, and he needed to get treatment. For an insect bite at a at a local medical place that ex- extended beyond just medical treatment, and now yeah. it's a an OSHA recordable on paper. It's exactly the same, right? And and, and that's, that situation is a great example because then it's just okay. We're just trying to take care of it. either way, right? You're just taking care of the employee. You're trying to get them the right level of care for what their problem is. You know what their issue is. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, again, you're demonized by getting this this. Uh, this thing bucketed as a recordable or as something else, whatever, right. As a lost time injury or something. And uh, it just ends up not good. Right. We'd start, we try to use that as a definition of success. And I think the, the, the deeper problem for me is this, is that uh, there, there's a lot of flaws in that, right. You can go back to this whole thing. Most organizations have these metrics are heavily incentivized in different ways, even all the way down to the front line. Even if you're incentivizing it with pizza, right. We're incentivizing yeah. it in some way or another. Most companies still find a roundabout way to incentivize it monetarily, right. Sure. In executive levels, they're tied into massive amounts of bonuses and all kinds of other stuff. But the problem that I have is this, is, you know, and we, you and I both have been in these meetings and folks out there listening have been in these meetings. You're sitting there and you're looking at that slide or they hand you that sheet of paper that's got an incident rate and you're going, okay, what, what the heck do you want me to do with that? Right. Yeah. It doesn't tell you anything that you can actually do. It's history and you can't change history either way. 
right? Yeah. This, this construct of OSHA recordability that we want to use, right? No matter, no matter what we're looking at, it's still history. We're going, okay, well, what do you want me to do different? What, 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 yeah. what, what do you want me to do with this? I get everybody's upset because we've got more than this or that, or, you know, our rates more than what we expected to be our, 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 our green box turned yellow. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're all upset, but it's that, what do you want me to do with it? I just, you can't operationalize that down. You can't no. take that number and say, push. And we do, right? Most organizations, you walk in and, and they even, I've seen, I've seen some companies do this in their safety meetings. They'll be like, okay, guys, frontline guys and gals, what's our OSHA recordable rate right now? And they all know. Yeah. And I'm like, they yeah. shouldn't even care. Those folks yeah, shouldn't why, care. Why do they even need to know? Why does this I, I, group need to know? When you walk into, into, uh, into a job site trailer, you walk into a, into a, a, a crew quarters or you walk into something with a, with a bunch of folks that are actually out there doing real work, you know, and you go, um, what's TRR? And they go, I don't know what, what it is TRR. Right? Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. This is, we're, we got, we're off well, to a great we're, start. We're, yeah. Right? We're going to have a good time here. We're, gonna all, so, we're all going to have a good time here. It's like, just forget I said anything. You don't, don't Google anything. Yeah. I know nobody. Yeah. Yeah, please, so it, please don't look that up. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I think so much of it is that is understanding that those numbers just don't matter down through the organization. They might yeah. matter up, you know, that, you know, for a, a board member to look at that and kind of have this kind of a bazillion foot up looking down kind of snapshot yeah. might matter a little bit, but you cannot take that stuff and push it down through your organization. Expect it to actually do anything. It, it just frustrates no, people it, and then goes well, down. People, the the worker the worker and trust me I've seen that shared in so many safety meetings like right now our current TRIR is this and if we have another incident it's going to be this yeah. and have a you know so we've got three weeks left in this year so we need to not have anything so that we can yeah. you know so we can get those projects because if we get this over this yeah. hey, we're gonna have to lay people off if we don't have these projects well guess what. Nobody's reporting nothing. Nothing. Well, and that's so that's, that's what's frustrating, uh, kind of overarching, kind of industry approach to this stuff. That really to to see dramatic change, we're going to have to see stuff change at a at a much higher level than just individual organizations. Yeah. Sure. Because as long as that contract company, the only thing that's really even more than even more than bid, right? Even more than price. Yeah. A lot of times are going, yeah, we, price doesn't matter. What's what's their recordable rate? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and then for the past, and then what's the three year average of it too? So right. I, I can remember not being able to wait until January hit because our, you know, our OSHA rate from three years ago was finally going to drop off of there and our new three year average was going to get us into some new places. Well, and I, you know, and I see it all the time with organizations where they go, they, they use a very well known, uh, uh, group program site to, uh, to, to free qual contractors, right? Uh, that shower made nameless, but they, they use a pretty, there's, then there's several, so it's not giving too much away, but they usually give them a categorization of red or green or yellow or something, you know, yeah. and you always, you always got to be a green contractor. Again, I grew up in the contract space. I know, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you want to be green so you can get the work. And if you're going to be yellow, you sure. got all this other stupid work you got to do to make plans and all this crap you got to submit. Yeah. Right? Um, so folks are going to make sure as much as they can that they're in green. But then the problem with that is, is it really shoots most organizations in the foot, right? They cut off their nose to spite their face, right? That they end up in the situation where they're going, there's only one contractor that does this and they're amazing at it. And yeah. they, they, they ended up in a situation where they had an employee that they're a small mom and pop and their man hours don't equate out to fix that, that, that problem of the TRI. Sure. 
or they're in a situation to where they had an employee that was driving and unfortunately had a vehicle accident and maybe died on the road. So they have a fatality in their organization. Yeah. Right. And we're going, Oh, can't have them. They're instantly red. And you're, yeah. it's just, it's back to the context thing. Context matters a lot, right? It matters well, so much in these situations. The I bad think Mark, part is- Mark Austin shared something with me during, during that, that presentation. Again, Mark Austin is a guy that does the whole investigation differently thing. If folks out there haven't checked him out, they should. But he's like, he was, he was saying that, you know, there's no other, and he, he was kind of comparing this to, 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 uh, investigations, but it really is safety overall. He's go, he's, he's, he's stating that, you know, in, in any scientific investigation, any scientific anything, we wouldn't accept the fact that we can do it without context, but yeah. in safety, we say just strip all context and come up with an answer, black yes. or white. And it, there's no scientific method that will allow for that other than occupational safety and health. Well, I, I, yeah, and I think this, the shameful thing about it is that safety is by so many is considered a black and white thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you – I worked for a company one time that you're, you're talking about the PQF sites, right? Mm-hmm. They, had a, they had a ISNet World Manual. Mm-hmm. The PEC manual, they had an Aveda safety manual, and then they had the real safety manual. Right, and they had all, they they had all these separate ones because they had to hit check these boxes. Yeah, it, it was getting worded in a specific way. Now everything that they did was safe. Yeah, had to figure out a way to meet these right. requirements of these sites because that's what these sites had determined it was going to be. What I think it's really interesting because and before we before we go too far away from the instant rate thing, I wanted to say too that I think so much of, of the problem with instant rates is, is is kind of what we're saying about okay, what do I do with this? It's hard to operationalize down um, when you're sure. looking at these when you're looking at these instant rates. We're focusing on what has happened, right? We're we're focusing on output, and we're trying to fix output by f- trying to fix output, and that doesn't work very good. If you want yeah. to fix output, you got to work on the input side of things, right? So no, just we, fix the output. Right. And, and <laughs> I even, I even have, uh, I even, I get in trouble because I even pick on leading, leading quote, leading indicators a little bit too. Uh, because even a lot of organizations that go down the path of leading indicators, which is a step in the right direction. Yeah. A lot of times they're still, still not applying any context in those situations. I always give the example of driving a car, you know, every, uh, most organizations drive, drive their organization by staring in the rear view mirror. And if you did that in a real world, you'd be dead in a second. Right? Yeah. And, and then, then they go, okay, well, this isn't working. So they start driving their car by staring at the dashboard only. And that's your leading indicators, right? You're staring at, okay, well, I got fuel. Well, I got this, but then they forget that Where we throw going. it. Right. <laughs> they, they forget to look out the windshield. The windshield is all the context, how stuff actually happens in your organization. Um, you're actually being able to see and watch for faint signals that things are starting to go wrong out there. We forget to do that. But then we, we what, what, what really gets things wacky is that the, 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 uh, the mirror is kind of lying to us because we have the trust issues. We have all these other problems. Yeah. But then the leading indicator side thing, if, a, if the dashboard in your car, functioned like a safety dashboard your your fuel gauge would always be full no matter yeah. what's actually in your tank you would always be going exactly the speed limit right the oh, temp yeah. would always be perfect the oil pressure would always be perfect and then within a couple you know within not very long you're either going to be pulled over for speeding you're going to be you know puttering out on the, on the side of the road because you're out of gas or you're, you're going to blow something because yeah. your inputs aren't right there either right so yeah it's it's a really interesting situation that I think organizations find themselves in, and I hate to be a little bit of a safety anarchist and say you know throw out all of that crap, 
but I don't know how good any of it actually does for us down through our organizations. It seems like we're, we're asking people to, to just be better. Right. And that's been a kind of our fix is that, well, this doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. And OSHA recordables are too high. So just don't do that stuff anymore. And it just doesn't yeah. seem to actually fix anything. Um, I, I, I've shared this all the time, but there's, there's, when I, when we go in and even, even as we talk about good catches and the importance of those, um, it's really important to get leaders to understand that I don't know if you want to measure those or not. It's good to get them in. It's good to encourage those. But I've, I've seen leaders go out and say, Hey, listen, you need more good catches. What do you think happens? Instantly yeah. 10, just like, yeah, boom. <laughs> just, just like that. Boom. And you're like, wait a minute. So just today we all of a sudden had these, th- and, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, I, I look at it kind of the, the, the unfortunate thing is I look at it like the, the coworker that sends, uh, an email about everything. Um, eventually you stop looking at every email they send because they send 37 of them a day. Right. right. So you're like, you do a quick scan, look at the subject line. It doesn't matter. Yes. <laughs> will, I, will I open it right now? Yes. No. And, and so you, you get, you get a little too uh, acclimatized to your email. That's usually and, the same person that puts red receipts on stuff too, though. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, did, did I? Did I? I always say no. I don't care. I, do who it is. I always click I'm like no. no. You're not going to know whether or not I. Read I always it. click no. I don't care. But uh, the problem is, is if, at least the way my phone works, if I open up my phone, it automatically sends it. Oh gosh, that's yeah, that's that's always bad. But yeah, that's you know, you when you get that type of um, just oversaturation of certain things then you 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 can very quickly not pay as much attention to it as you should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think some of these safety dashboards, some of this information that we're getting is, you know, I, while I think it's important that we dig in and we find out, you know, specifics to help with things yeah. so that it's not um, just NVA fault, NVA non-fault. Right. I think that sometimes we can, if you have a, if you have a person who loves graphs, and loves charts and is a data nerd. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to get this this thing that you're just like that's just too much. Yeah, that's too much. And how how user friendly is it if nobody's using it? <laughs> well, and I think it's I think it's interesting because we've and I, I, a lot of it I think still goes back to that traditional approach. And I get in a lot of trouble because I I don't dig deep enough into Heinrich's theories, is what I'm told. But I, I, I share I share how Heinrich. Uh, is interpreted by at least our industries, right? And let's uh, – it is grossly oversimplified. Exactly. It is grossly oversimplified. I get that. But that's how it's applied in our industry. So there's my my PSA for anybody that's going to go, you don't – you need to research more about Heinrich. Uh, There are some other strong words I'll tell you, but uh, I'll save them for off the air. But there's (laughs) – organizations oversimplify that. And I'm I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. But they they oversimplify that. And it really leads to this is that we we kind of go with that. Okay, if we just manage the little things, we don't have to get you don't have to worry about the big things. If you prevent stuff down here, you don't ultimately have fatalities. That's how life works. Oh, and yeah. it's not true. We know that's not true. That's that's just not how things happen. No, that's how it's period. simplified though. Right? Things things don't don't happen that way. But we've ended up with an entire generation of leaders that believe that that's their only real job is to manage little things. Because if they manage little things, 
then they don't have to worry about big things. So if we, we really hone in and focus on preventing these little itsy bitsy first aids and these close calls and all of that stuff, then we're never going to have OSHA recordables. Sure. We're, ne- we're never, we're never going to have stuff that results in <laughs> lost time injuries. And if, if we do, it's because we failed to manage those little things. Right. Yeah. Again, we, we know that's just not how things happen. Um, if you have 65 hand cuts, you know, yeah. the next one's not going to be a fatal hand cut. No, Duh. it's going to be another hand cut. <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, another, that, it might be recordable. It, it might be lost time. It might be who knows. Right. Who knows? Yeah. The, and the, the crazy part is, is the the uh, the opposite side of that is when you're not getting any of these reports. You know, you're not getting all these near misses. You're not getting all the these incidents, and then a a significant injury occurs. Mm-hmm. Everybody's immediate response is, "Well, if we just would have been doing more near misses." Yeah, well, and that's 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 where I was going. Is that you get into this thing where we're looking at data, and I just I'm not, I don't think we can predict it. No. Right. And that, that's where I argue against a lot of observations, or at least the style of a lot of observation programs. Yeah. Uh, the way that I argue against a lot of the trending of incident data is that we're looking at it going up, oh, you know, we've, we're up in sprains and strains. Our next back sprain is going to be a fatal one. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a gross, that's a gross over, oversimple, but that's kind of what we're saying. Yeah. That's that yeah. traditional approach is that we believe that if we just get enough data and we measure it hard enough, whether it's observations or close calls, good catches, minor injuries, then we'll eventually be able to predict where the next one is going to be and we can prevent it. And that's just, just not true. It just doesn't work that way. Right. So it, it still lends itself back to that point about context is really understanding the context of the events and digging into that stuff and seeing things as unique the larger or the larger an organization gets, the more the more data driven, the more big data driven we seem to get. We want yeah. to be able to lump stuff into something really simple. That's a graph that says, "You see that people are having problems with gloves. Somebody's going to cut <laughs> off their hand, right?" Yeah. We, we 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 like to. And what happens? The real downside to that, from a productivity and efficiency standpoint, is that. We invest all, we push all of our safety professionals into working on hands. We push all of our leaders into going talking about hands because we had an uptick in, in, in observational trending and a small uptick in close calls around hands. And then we have folks going out. We hire hand consultants. (laughs) We're putting up hand posters and hand banners and we're doing don't cut your hand training and we're doing all this other kind of stuff around hands. And then we kill somebody in a confined space. Yeah. Yeah, because right. we've, we've now now we've we've expended all of our budget on on uh, cut level resistant gloves right. and impact gloves and things for these hand injuries, mm-hmm. and forgotten completely that we do other things other than right. just. Well, it's it's important, right? I, I think you know. I think if you have that stuff and you're going, oh look, well maybe a good thing is let's go out and ask actually ask the folks. Let's go out and do a listening session and say, guys, are you really having trouble with hands? You know, we've had some we've had some some incidents, nothing major. You know, we've seen some stuff in observations. Is this real? Tell us what tell us what you need. What do you need? And yes. you flip that conversation, and they're just no, everything's fine. This we just bump and scrape our hands because we do this kind of crazy wacky yeah. work. Or is there something we can learn and let them teach us rather than kind of you know, demanding that we fix it from the top down? Yeah. The, the other side, just, just from a PPE standpoint for a second, you know, what I've always tried to do or what I've recently been trying to do is instead of just rolling out this new thing that I found mm-hmm. that solve all the problems or that some manager found that's going to solve all the problems, I get a sample size of it. Yeah. And I get out to my guys and I go, Hey, try this out. Let me know, you know, and then I'll, I'll come back in a week. 
Yeah. And you tell me whether or not this is working, whether or not this is cumbersome. I love that. And, you know, that's even what I share with folks around around anything, PPE tools, other products, anything like that, ideas. It's all kind of the same. Um, it's if I find it, I think it's cool. I'll bring it to you and show it to you. And it might be dumb because I'm dumb. I don't know. I don't do that. Yeah. job. I'm stupid. I, I'm the last person around doing X, Y, Z that you want to know how to do X, Y, Z. Trust me. I'm, you know, you don't want my one of the, you know, one, one of the things that I learned, uh, actually listening to a podcast that Abby was on one time and, uh, it just, it was, it was such a good way to approach things. And she was explaining how she, she approached workers when she first got out of college mm-hmm. and, she would go up to them and instead of immediately getting on to them about something that she observed that they were doing wrong, she would say, Hey, can you explain to me like how you do what you're doing? Like, you know, uh, like, how do you do this? I, I, this is really interesting. Tell me, you know, so what are you working on? How are you doing this? What, you know, and and just really just opening up a conversation with the worker. It just it may it makes all the difference and that, and I and I I resonated with it because it's something that I've done my entire yeah. career, which is just like just having a conversation instead well, of instead of it being a, a an audit or an inspection. Just I think a- we have a problem out there with uh, and I, I'll I'll pick on I'll pick on uh, on us I'll pick on safety professionals for a second. I think we have a problem with folks that that they say, well, I'm not a safety cop, but they still go out and just audit to a rule book. Right. And yeah. that's kind of sort of being a cop. I, yeah. I get you might not have the baton. <laughs> you might not actually be bashing people, but yeah. you're still going out there. And the real, the real goal to, to your point, to, to the point that you're drawing from Abby's podcast is the same is that you should be going out to try to learn how stuff actually happens rather than going out and with this fictitious black line procedure going, yes. okay, this is how stuff is supposed to happen. So that's how, that's how it shall happen. There's yeah. a reason why we want to go out and try to learn from work as performed, right? Well, the, real, the reality. We, we want to learn reality. And the second piece of that, because I got to say it or I'll forget it, is, is, is this, is I think in our profession, we have a curiosity problem. Yeah. I think we have a lot of safety professionals that just aren't curious. They just, yeah. it's, it's easy to say, here's the rules, follow the rules. I don't get that because I'm just a curious person. I'm a nerd. I'll yeah. go out. I want to teach me, show me how you do it. This is super cool. I'm genuinely yeah. interested in this. I'm genuinely interested in how you do this because I think it's cool. It's neat. Yeah. I'll teach you. You can do something I can't do. Let me see right. you do it. And when you and, get into that, then you can start to uncover some of that stuff where you go, again, just being genuinely curious, just taking off the safety dude hat and just being a curious yeah. human being and saying, well, that's weird. Why do you do it like that? And then you can kind of start to weave in some other stuff and go, I don't know. That looks kind of, I don't know if I'll put my hand in there or not. Let's, let's look at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, there's, there's, I, I know we're running out of time and there's two things that I want to. We can go as long as you want. Man. The time is well, on you. I, I have all day. I, I, I'm running out of time. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the, uh, the two things that I, I know safety professionals listen to this, this podcast, there's two things that I want all of them to hear. And, and first of all, we talked, we kind of touched on it a little bit. If you target zero, you're going to hit it, but you're going to hit from the standpoint of zero reporting, zero impact on your team, your zero trust. Right. You hit all the zeros you don't want to hit. So stop aiming for zero. And second, when you're out and about, say, okay, say you have to, say part of your role and responsibilities is to perform inspections on different sites and things like that. 
have those conversations when you're working with the people. When you're out there doing that, don't go out there with the clipboard. Take a look at it. Find out what it says and what you're supposed to be looking for. Take a lot of pictures while you're out there if you have that ability to do so. And you can go back and look at those pictures later and check boxes on your your form that you got to fill out. But go have conversations. And then whatever you do, do not leave that site until you sit with the leadership of that site and have a discussion about what you found, good and bad. Because if you walk out of there and you just take your little incident or your little uh, inspection form with you and you send that report up to their boss, you're an a-hole. Yeah. Because you you set them up for failure. I think think there's a huge gap out there. And again, I'm – I think we've waited too long to, and we, we need to pick on our own, our own a little bit and a lot, yeah. I think in a lot of ways, um, there's a curiosity, there's a curiosity problem. There's problems with stuff that you just mentioned. Cause I see that. I see that happen all the time yeah. um, where folks will go out, they'll, they'll, they'll do an audit and then they'll just bypass it. They never even sit down and go, Hey guys, let's listen, check this out. Let me show you what I think. Let's have a conversation. You know, they don't do that. I, I think we're missing some safety professional basics. Yeah. Right. I, I think yeah. I think there's a gap there that uh, that somebody needs to fill. We need we need some we need folks really lining out what that really looks like. Um, there was a podcast we actually had Nate on with uh, with a dear friend of mine, Ian Allison, not too long ago, uh, where we had both of them on together. It ended up being like this four hour long conversation, of course. Yeah. Right? That, but that, 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 that was a lot. That was a lot of conversation, right? Well, you end up with with Redbeard, you end up with me, and then Ian is kind of, we're all kind of the same. We're all long-winded. So we we could have went for like three days, like a three-day marathon session. I love those conversations. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's one of those things to where it's, we really need to kind of start to set the standard for our profession. And a lot of times there's not – we're just not really good at defining what we want from safety folks, right? We're really good at saying we want you to be a case manager. We want you to be in the field 85% of the time. We want you to do this and we want you to do that. But we're not like, listen, you need to be a normal human being. You probably shouldn't be a cop. You need to make sure that you're, you're, you're talking to folks. That's what I challenge safety pros. I challenge leaders all the time with this. This is, this is, and it sounds stupid, but it, it works so good. And I totally stole this from one of the first safety directors I ever had. I ever had was just an amazing person. And when I was new and green to this, this was the challenge that he put put on me. Uh, it was my first nuclear site I was ever on as a safety professional. And he said this. He said, every crew that you go talk to, when you go out and talk to them for the first five minutes, the first ten minutes, at least five minutes of your conversation, you cannot talk about anything work-related. Yeah. Perfect. Nothing work-related. I, love I, want it. You, I want you to know who they're, I want you to know if they have kids. I want you to know, I want you to know what they do for fun. I want you to know, you know, and you're, it's amazing. You don't think about it like that. I'm a people person anyways. So I don't, yeah. I don't know how much of that I needed, but I, that challenge helped. Yeah. And by the, you know, you're on a site with hundreds of employees. And by the time you're done, you're like, Oh, I know Joe's kids. got a softball game this weekend. Oh, I know he's, he's going through some problems in his relationship. I know they're, you know, they've got this going on. They, they're doing this. They're having a cookout this weekend and you get to you know all these real Exactly. Right. And so, (laughs) you know, you think about it like that and it it circles back to what you're saying. You go out to a crew with guys, guys and gals that, you know, people that, you know, yeah. And you find problems. If you know those folks, you're not just going to walk off and go up the chain and report something. Yeah. You're going to say, listen, here's how we fix it. Let's we're a team. We're going to figure this thing out together. Those relationships matter a lot. 
Yeah, I, 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 anybody who's ever reported to me in the safety world or even in organizational world, I, I've, I've always had like mottos that I expect them to put on, on on themselves. And they're real simple. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Be nice until nice don't work. Thank you, Dalton Roadhouse. And uh, coach, don't cop. And then I added a fourth one recently. It was like, just be kind. Like, it's not hard. It's not hard to... To, to, I mean, you, you can be nice to people until it doesn't work. And, and I say that to say there comes a time in every safety person's career where you have that person that just isn't going to do what you need yeah. them to do. Right. So you take it up the, up the, up the level. But there's, there's zero reason that you should be viewed as the guy coming out to get them in trouble. Now, sometimes you're, yeah. you're, you're suffering. You're suffering from the the sins of your predecessor, mm-hmm. or and, the organization sometimes, yeah, the or, or the organization as a whole. And so you show up, and you're like, and they're they're automatic. You know, your predecessor may have been that way. So now the safety guy has shown up. So you know, then then you probably need to have a couple of visits that have nothing to do with safety. Right. Well, I, I think that that's when you really see that you're winning because and I know winning for the wrong term, but you're kind of winning. It's cool, right? You know, that, that's, that's when you really know when you get, when you, when you kind of get those whispers of those folks or yourself and they're going, uh, or those other safety folks on your team and they're going, Oh, I, I know we can call the safety team. I know this isn't even safety related, but I know we can call it because they'll, they'll be able to help us. Yes. They help us. Yes. They're helpful. That's the win. Right. That's oh, the win. I, I know. I know. Uh, I know. I can call Jason. I know I can call Sam because they'll help us. They'll actually help us. They'll at least point me in the right direction. Or it makes, the, it, it makes right. all the difference in the world. And that's you know one of the things that I love about the the current current company I work for is their expectation is is um, not now obviously because we can't travel, but mm-hmm. at every every one of my branches twice a month. Yeah. It's a quarter, not twice a month, but twice a quarter. And the first visit is a relationship visit. It has nothing to do with an inspection. That's has right. to do with it's just building a relationship with that team there. Now, right. if there's no hanging fruit, obviously we're going to address it. I'm a safety professional. We're going to talk about those things, you know. But the other visit is going to be the inspection visit that also builds relationships. Right. But I, I love the fact that they're like, no, the expectation is that you're going to go and build relationships. I love it. That's awesome. Well, I think it, it lends to this. And I know, I know we're getting ready to wrap up here. I don't want to keep you all day. I don't want to get you in trouble or get me in trouble. I know that's why I'm trying to I'm hurry up here. But, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, you had talked about some stuff, you know, you, you and Abby were, were working on a course, I think maybe still, working, I don't know, on the course around, around social media. Yeah. And we're talking about relationships and all this other kind of stuff that extends well beyond work. And I think that we forget this a lot of times that the stuff that works outside of work still works at work. And for some yeah. reason, it's like, it's like when we come to work or most organizations, we go, okay, it's different. You're at work. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. You shouldn't be a person. You should be a robot. You, you know, you know, yes. we got to be corporate and starchy and we, we can't, we, we have to sound like we all, you know, work at the bank, you know, type of thing. We're going to chain the pens to yes. the desk and that's going to be the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the fluorescent light overhead kind of like office space, like ticking in the kind of background yes. type of thing. So, with that, how, how do you, uh, with, without, obviously we don't have too deep, but what do you tell people out there? Because, you know, you're an influencer in the social media space. How much of that do you carry over to work? And, you know, you mentioned that about helping to spread safety messages. Um, how, how much of that can folks bring into their own work to help spread messages and just kind of get through to people? 
you know, I, I for it, it really all once you get to a point of, of creating content or creating things, you know, I, I, I utilize a, a, a site that's that allows me to schedule a lot of my posts. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to do it during working times. I can do it out while I'm off work and yeah. and I'm able to get everything scheduled for up to a month in advance and everything right. like that. Um, how do I bring it in for me personally? Um, because I do do the social, uh, the, the social media safety minutes and I do those little things. What I've been doing, especially now that we've been in Armageddon times is I do a daily safety moment video that I send out to my, my teams. And, and really it's just so they still see my face. They still hear my voice. I'm not able to travel to see them. And I talk about absolutely nothing that has anything to do with coronavirus. That's awesome. Yeah. I talk about hierarchy of controls, talk about housekeeping, talk about backing, about anything that has to do with safety, but is not about washing your hands or social distancing. And that's kind of where I was going. So the the uh, entertainment value piece of it. Yeah. So because yeah. I look, I, I I make no bones about it. I'm a safety just, justice league fan, right? I follow along. With oh, thank you. Stuff. Thank you. I think, I think you guys are super entertaining and that's a piece of it. For some reason, when we go to work, we pretend like things don't have to be entertaining for people to pay attention anymore. I was, I was just having this exact conversation the other day where it's like, could you imagine going and sitting down at your, on your couch? Cause we can't go to the movies right now and turning on Netflix and it being some, 150-year-old safety guy droning on and on and on in a monotone voice about some rule in the OSHA standard, you would yeah. turn it off in a second, in well, that, an absolute and yeah. second. So yeah, the entertainment value is, is important, right? For me, absolutely. I when I If I'm doing a training or I'm doing a safety meeting, I'm doing – the same joking person that you see on social media is that guy that's doing that because yeah. what I post on safety media – on social media is just me. And I'm I'm probably going to say a corny dad joke. I'm probably, <laughs> probably going to mess with 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 the employees a little bit. I'm going to tell them a story <coughs> about my family that relates to the topic that we're talking about right then. But you just have to be yourself. Right. And if you are monotone, and you are, and you're just that boring person. Be yourself in those two. Don't be me. Right. Be yeah. yourself because people are going to look at you, and they're they're going to know whether or not you're being real. Right. And I think that's a part of it is that, you know, if you if you feel like you're in that situation where maybe you're not connecting training, you don't have to be somebody else. But you can go learn some different techniques. You can go out and you can follow along with people like the Safety Justice League and kind of just see their approaches. It's not saying that you have to try to be somebody else, but you can see those different approaches and and you can go learn training techniques. You can just go YouTube training techniques and you can find all kinds of stuff, even for those folks out there that are more, um, you know, more, more, uh, not extroverted, you know, the folks that are more introverted, there's stuff out there that you can kind of still train yourself to, yeah. to be, a, to be, you oh, know, yeah. and you know, what I found when I, when I first got into this stuff, I, I categorize myself as like dead center in between. I'm very situational. I can be introverted, yeah. I can be extroverted. It's very situational based off of what sure. I'm at. Um, so what I found is that when I, when I catch myself being introverted during training, I would just become very self-deprecating and that would kind of get me outside, yeah, outside yeah. of the thing. I pick on myself and I yeah. found myself as a safety guy that some of that self-deprecating humor really got me in good a lot of times. Oh yeah. No, he doesn't, he doesn't take himself too seriously. We, we, we like him. He, he doesn't yeah. take himself too seriously. Right. So yeah. how can people, uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can people find you? Do you want people to get a hold of you? <laughs> 
No, I, I, yeah, absolutely, man. I, I LinkedIn is probably going to be the best way to get a hold of me. I, uh, I just actually closed my TikTok account recently. Oh. Uh, just, I've just had enough. Uh, it's yeah. too much distraction. It's too fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and when I find something that's too fun, that becomes the distraction. So yeah, yeah. I let it go for a little while. Uh, so, but LinkedIn is probably the best place. They can also go to safetyjusticeleague.com and uh, you can put in, I mean, it, we have a little section that says ask a safety pro, but you can put anything in there and it hits all four of us. And nice. so it's, it's a pretty cool little quick email and a uh, little notification on our phone. So we, we know pretty much immediately when, when you put it, one of those in. So yeah. Cool. And this is this is my my famous line. Any last words? Anything yeah. else you want to share with folks very, out there before very, you go? I've already I've already shared it, but I'm going to share it again. Especially in these times, just be kind. Hmm. You will you make so much difference in the world of a person that you're talking to if you smile and you show some kindness. Because right now, everybody you're seeing is stressed out. Everybody you're talking to is stressed out. They're dealing with the same Armageddon you're dealing with and just be patient. Yeah. It's going to take a little bit longer to get the stuff that you want to get, but be kind. That's it. Yeah. Speaking of which I'm waiting on some Amazon stuff. I'm real mad right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> just be kind, Sam. Just be I, kind. I, I, I love, I love that message. I love that message. That's I'll wrap that up with what we've been sharing is very similar. Is it's time to be helpful. Right. Yes. And I think that's a way of being helpful is, you know, I got a call from somebody the other day, a, a friend of mine that I work with. And I was like, you know, you get a work call. It's on my work phone. I'm going, oh. Oh. right. It's it's on like Friday afternoon. That's never a good oh, time. No. You know, you, oh. you know, bad, something bad's happening. I'm like, oh, yeah. and I answer it. He's, and the, the guy's like, hey, listen, uh, I just wanted to call and check on you and make sure you're okay. You know, I know most of your family's back east. Just wanted to make sure you had everything you need. If you need anything, we got a little extra. We can, we can drop something off to you. I'm like, my mind was just blown. I mean, I was just so touched by that. So I think, I think exactly what world. you're saying, being kind is a, is a, the biggest way of being helpful to folks right now. I didn't need anything. Just the fact yeah. that, that they called, though, just to check was just amazing. So that's that's an excellent message. Absolutely, man. Well, you hey, know, Sam, man, thanks so much for having me on, man. I man, really oh, appreciate it. Dude, I could, I could do this all day long, but I don't want any of us to get in trouble. So I'm, we're going to yeah, get no, out of here. I got, I got a bathroom for, to finish, man. <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. We'll do this again soon. All right, brother. We'll all right, man. Soon. See you later. It is always amazing to get to chat with Mr. Jason Lucas. In fact, it is amazing to get to chat with any of the, the super awesome, amazing, and fun folks from the hashtag Safety Justice League. Make sure that you'll follow along with Jason anywhere that you can find him. He pumps out some amazing stuff. I mean, absolutely amazing. Just an awesome, amazing, genuine person. Uh, anyone from the Safety Justice League, if you're not following along, I just want to ask you, what the hell are you doing with your life? You should totally be following the Safety Justice League. So, And I'm sure we're going to have them back on a bunch because I just love talking to them. I'm going to throw that challenge out to them right now. If anyone from the Safety Justice League is listening to the Hot Nerd Podcast, just let me know. You're always welcome here. I always want to have a conversation with you. So come on, let's hang out. Let's have that conversation. I think my next goal, and again, here's challenge, throwing the challenge out there to them. I want to get all of you on at the same time. I think that would be fun times, challenging, but fun times. So let's make that happen.
That's all I've got. Until next time, it is Sam Goodman, the Hot Nerd, signing off. <sighs> bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.